Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. If you have your Bibles this morning, I am going to be uh, reading out of Matthew 24 and Romans 2 and 2 Peter. So if you want to kind of kind of get there, I'll prompt you in just a moment. So I'm doing a series. It's the fourth Sunday called Ask It, if you're new. <clears throat> I let people submit questions, and I do my best to answer those questions from the pulpit. I've been doing this, uh, you know, every other year since 2017. There are no questions that are off limits, and I've answered some very controversial kind of things here. Uh, so uh, there's cards in front of you that you can r- submit your question to me. You can do it through the Dropbox. You can do it anonymously. A lot of people just send me emails for their questions, whether it's anonymous or not. I don't use your name uh, as well. But in in Ask It, we talk about, you know, questions about the Bible, its origin, its doctrines, its practices, or questions about our faith, discipleship, problems you may be going through, questions about church or relationships. We answer questions about culture, trends, politics, media, issues of social justice, and all of that how it kind of interacts with faith. So I try to do my best to give a biblical answer to these. Sometimes I give you my best biblical opinion, some of that, and I will kind of let you know that uh, as well. Also, this is not exhaustive thinking on every topic. I just do my best in the time frame that I have to kind of answer uh, the question. So just wanted to uh, mention that to you. So in previous weeks, if you've missed, uh, you can catch up on YouTube, Facebook, our podcast. I mean, we We've, done, we've answered questions about concubines and multiple wives and uh, what's your viewpoint on medical marijuana, CBD prod, products, same-sex attraction, just all kinds of things. Last week, uh, we answered or tried to answer, is it a sin or wrong to have a prenuptial agreement? Yeah, so we went, we walked through that. Why is the virgin birth critical to the Christian faith? What if I don't believe everything in the Bible and why don't we see miracles today like in the Bible? We tried to do our best to kind of answer those questions. So, all right, so I have some questions today that I want to do my best to try to answer here. So, what's the balance for a believer? Question one. What's the balance for a believer in knowing the, the things that are to come as part of the end times cultural moral decay and fighting back against culture and politics that seem to rule the day. In other words, how much do we accept as things that must happen versus fighting back, taking stands on things that are going on? Okay, so I'm going to answer this moment. I made a reference to the end times, so I want to just kind of reset Uh, Just very quickly, some of the things that Jesus mentioned that will be occurring kind of in the last days and then maybe uh, our, our response to some of that. So in Matthew 24, there were three questions that were asked of Jesus. When will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So he responded with some things that would be occurring in Matthew 24. There are other references 
is in the Bible as well, but in Matthew 24, some things that will be occurring in the last days. And then I want to kind of, how do we respond to that? I want to give you those really quick. So he said, watch out for increased anti-Semitism, the rebuilding of the Jewish temples. So Jewish people have experienced, you know, hate unlike any ethnicity on the world. It has been generational for thousands of years. Jewish people have been, you know, subjected to all kinds of atrocities and hate. Uh, I, you know, I think it is a response uh, to Satan's, I mean, excuse me, to God's covenant with the Jewish people and his covenant with the physical land of Israel. I think that's where that is rooted. Outside of that, I see no other explanation for the long-term generational hate, persecution, genocide that has occurred with Jewish people. And many, many future events will happen in the world because of this as well. So that's in Matthew 24, Jesus references that. Also in verse 5, spiritual deception and confusion, he says, will be occurring. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. Verse 11, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many. So this is not necessarily the denial of faith or like moving to atheism. This is a twist on already, you know, kind of religious belief and belief in God. So there's several things that we need to watch for as we move into this pluralism. Number one, that there are multiple ways to heaven or spirituality. We see some of that today. We see also questioning the exclusiveness of Christ. So there is no such thing as a Christless salvation. Okay, not at all, but there are, you know, people that question the exclusivity of Christ through the cross. The scripture says some of these people will be successful in their, you know, in their messaging. Uh, you know, this, this spirituality, just you need to be a better person. You need to be a more spiritual person. And, and Jesus said, don't believe others when they say, I am Christ. And he also said, too, that there's going to be false prophets and miracles. Let me tell you, there is a time that we are living in and going to be even further in the future that when we see a miracle, we need to make sure that someone gives glory to Jesus Christ. If you're just going to watch a miracle, he said there's going to be a time that there's going to be some deception in the last days. He said also, watch verse 6, wars, rumors of wars, uh, uh, but see that you're not alarmed for such things will happen. This, uh, But the end still is to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. So he says, don't be fearful when you see warmongering in the world, nations and kingdoms and broader regional and religious or nationalist conflicts will be occurring around the world. We never know when we wake up in the morning when North Korea, Iran, China, Taiwan, Russia, Ukraine, Al-Qaeda, and the horrible civil war in Sudan 
man, you know, just, you know, kind of will, you know, boil over into the world. But he said, don't be afraid when you see this, because this is just going to be, it's going to be a sign. He also said, verse 7, there'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. Uh, He says there will be persecution, intimidation, and the death of Christians. In verse 9, you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. You'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn from the faith and will betray and hate each other. So, I just want you to know, if you are going to stand for Christ, there's not much that we can do to be avoided, you know, to avoid being hated for the sake of Christ. Jesus said, if the world hated me, it will also hate you. So it doesn't matter how understanding you are, tender, compassionate, courteous, the world considers it some type, of, some type of spiritual rebellion when you stand for Christ, okay? So you just got to know that this is what's coming. He said there's going to be a time, persecution, intimidation, and the death of believers would occur. In the time of Daniel, we read in that book that, that the government of that particular day said to them, this particular type of worship is not allowed, but this particular type of worship is allowed. So they were trying to coerce religious expression. This is unacceptable, and this is acceptable. And we kind of see that in the world today. So I want you to know there's a time coming, and it's even happening now, that when you stand for God, there's going to be intimidation, there's going to be persecution. I want to say this to you. I think I, I think there's going to be issues, you know, over the definition of marriage and the, the transgender in issue that is going to be a wedge issue about a, concerning religious liberty and the church. I think it's going to be those doors w- that will open that the American government will start its formal persecution of the church of Jesus Christ. I've said that for years. You need, to be, you need to be ready because that's coming, and it's coming in a greater way. So, uh, he also says there'll be a cold, drifting, loveless church. Verse 12, because of the increase of wit- wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So, we see this occurring in the world and in the church today, the rejection of biblical truth. We've seen mainline U.S. denominations that have given up the belief on the inerrancy of Scripture, and they have accepted uh, liberal, secular views as part of their theology. He also says, too, as part of this, there's going to be the increase of witnesses, so, un- excuse me, the increase of wickedness, so ungodliness in the lives of believers. There's going to be a coldness that has occurred where holiness, godliness, and righteous living, you know, it's not going to be important to those serving in the church. So, we see already a national moral decline in a great shift in our 
in our country, we, we as a country, we are weary of God and the moral restraints that, that come with that. And we have said to God, no, thank you. We will take it from here. And I want you to know this morning that the moral chaos and the cultural rot that you see on the news is because we have turned our back to God and said, we'll take it from here. And the Lord said, okay, you got it. You will eat of the fruit of your own way. All right. We have urban cities and college campuses that are ready to just literally explode. We have some urban cities, and you've just seen it on the news, that is just heartbreaking. College campuses that are, are supposed to be open to any form of intellectual thought are now, you know, now they're regulating what can be said, especially if you're from a, you know, a believing, you know, a, a believing kind of, you know, faith uh, uh, viewpoint. So it's time, there's going to be a time that it's going to be for the church to stand up. And stand up and be counted or sit down and be quiet. But I'm just telling you, that's coming. That's coming. It's part of the last days. He said there's the love of those in the church. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to grow cold. So this, there's going to be wickedness in the church. And we've got to, you know, uh, watch against that. And then the last part, just out of uh, Matthew 24, says the publication of the gospel, access to the gospel, fruitful missionary and church planning effort worldwide. It's going to be taking place. So in the midst of all of this, he says, God is going to be doing something powerful in the midst of all this darkness. If you think that the Word of God and the Spirit of God would be intimidated by governments or culture, you are wrong. As they, as they fight culture wars, the Spirit of God is going to be sending and calling missionaries out and church planters, and the gospel is going to be preached, and it is going to be fruitful even in a very difficult time of darkness now so the question was you know what can we do in the last days I mean there's let me just say there there are certain things that are unchanged there are certain things that the prophetic clock is already occurring prophecy is already happening things are moving and shaking and positioning and preparing for the coming of Jesus Christ we can't change that but there are some things that we can do. We can ask ourselves in the midst of this darkness, what influence can I have, can I have for, the, for the gospel? How can God use me? I wanna, so I want to answer the question. Number one, we need to pray. Now listen to me. Listen to me. If you're a believer and you read God's word, when you pray, we need to have a greater sense of the times that we live in. All right, there's a lot of things that are going on in the world. So we don't have time for our little three-minute devotional. We need to realize, believers, when we pray, the times that we, that we live. And we need to, you know, it's not a, it's not a luxury, you know, to, uh, you know, just to pray. I mean, this is going to be a necessity that we pray uh, and seek the Lord. We need to pray for spiritual 
protection. I want to tell you as we go further to the closer of, of, of his return, there's going to be great, greater spiritual opposition and greater spiritual oppression as well. And we need to pray. We need to pray for the lost. We need to pray for the prodigals that are away as we see time coming. We don't have time as intercessors to kind of relax, but it needs to really get our attention and we need to pray. We need to share our faith. And as I mentioned, we need to prepare for intimidation and persecution. You just need to know this is coming. And listen, this will not be for the weak. That's why he says some people are going to give in. Some people will not be able to stand in the midst of this moment. They'll turn and they'll start hating each other. They'll leave the church and they'll get on social media and start criticizing the church. They'll, you know, some people aren't going to be able to stand this. This will be for those that understand the times that you are living and you are ready for this battle. You may not be applauded for your stand, but Jesus said, if you deny me today, I will deny you tomorrow. So I'm just telling you up front. There's going to be a moment. What can we do? Share our faith and be prepared for intimidation and persecution. It's just going to be part of it. It's just going to be part of it. They're going to make fun of you. People are going to make fun of your beliefs. All right. They're going to marginalize you or kind of ignore you, push you off to the side. Your values, your voice won't be counted, you know, at all. There'll be discrimination that will happen in the workplace, in the neighborhood. You know, uh, people will separate their company from you, long-term friends that, that you have had. Then there'll just be persecution. And I'm just, I said a minute ago, I fully expect there's going to be a day that the church is going to have to have its Daniel moment. Are we going to stand? Are we going to wilt and, and change what we've always believed about, about the Lord? Something else, and I'm going to mention it really quick. We need to vote. Okay, we need to vote. The Lord has given us a government of self-expression where our values, biblical values, can, can be involved in the political process. Okay, so I just want to say, man, we, we need, if, any, if any sector of the world needs to let biblical values be expressed, it it's come as, comes at election time. We need to vote. That's another part, the last part on this. What can we do? Stand and be vocal on issues of faith and morality. Okay, stand and be vocal. Uh, you know, like this is not just standing for your faith. This is on certain issues of faith and morality. And I mentioned gender, sexuality, the transgender issues, religious liberty issues, freedom of worship, freedom to practice our faith. I'm just telling you, we're, we're going to have to stand. So do we just kind of, you know, pray to the Lord comes? No. We're salt and we're light and we realize the moment that we are living in and until the Lord takes us out, we are going to be faithful to God's word. We are going to be a church and individuals of light and salt until we hear the trumpet of God sound. We're going to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, listen, one more, one more thing. When, we, when we're already entering this this kind of season. You look on the news. I watched the news yesterday. I was like, what? What is happening in our world? Now listen to me. Because as this is occurring now, and as it occurs in a greater way, as we get closer to the Lord's return, there are going to be people who are troubled and who are looking for answers. 
There are going to be people out there that will be going, my God, what is going on in the world? There has got to be some answer to this. There are going to be people that are going to be broken. They are going to be hurt. So there, there are things that I cannot do to change what is going to happen in the world. But there are going to be people that are going to be open as we move closer to the Lord's return who are going to be open to a gospel witness, a prayer, someone that says, I'm praying for you. Would you like to go get some coffee? So we need to be ready because there's going to be people that are going to be looking for answers in a really difficult time and we can't be silent in that moment. Okay, all right, so some things we can't change, but as we get closer to the coming of the Lord, it's not a time for a silent church. It's a sign of a church that's on fire, a church that's in revival, a church that's praying for the lost, a church that's preaching the gospel and seeing God's power and presence. It's a church of the miraculous that's going to make a difference in the last day. All right, that just came to me. I was ready to go to the second question, but that just... No. All right. I just want to say, we're, we're going to walk into this. Whatever happens, happens. But we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to follow God's word. We're going to follow the spirit of the Lord. And we're going to stand until we hear a trumpet that all calls us out. I just want you to know that. All right. All right. All right. I got some more, but I got to move on. I got to move on. We're not going to compromise. We're, we're, we're not, we're not going to redefine certain things. We're not going to let the values of this world shape the eternal truths of God's word. We're not going to do it. <clears throat> we're going to love people. We're going to be compassionate, and they can say whatever they want to say about this church, but we're going to be at Hope Community. We're going to be loving foster care families. We're going to be feeding the homeless. We're going to be mindful of those that are broken. And the gospel message will continue here. Do what you want to do to this church. We're going to stand for truth. All right, I think I am done now. I'm not really, but I need to get done. All right, all right, all right, all right. That wasn't any any part of that. So, all right, second question, second question. With so many different religions, how can we be sure that we're the only way? With so many different religions, how can we be sure that we are the only way? It's a great question of like religious philosophy, religious thinking. And I think it's very fair, too. If you don't come out of, you know, a Christian background, when you look at everything that's out there, how do I know what is the truth? How can I find that? So I think it's a wonderful question and a very fair question, especially if you don't come out of, you know, kind of religious faith and you're going, hey, like, what, what, how, how can I... No. So let me just kind of walk through this answer, uh, uh, hopefully to this answer. So listen, not every religious belief or system can be true. There's too much diversity in it. Something's got to be right. Something's got to be wrong along the way. And you will have to kind of on your journey kind of have to make some judgments based upon information. So first of all, first of all, as we look at this kind of philosophically, theism, the belief in God, in some that there's some divine creator creator, and atheism, both cannot be true. They can't be true. You know, so theism, the belief in some kind of 
God that's out there, whatever that may be, or atheism, theism, the belief in God or a creator, atheism, that there's no belief. Somebody's right or wrong. Can't, both can't be right, okay? So, so if you lean to theism, for instance, you know, uh, if you believe in theism, then which of the world's religions are correct? Then you got to, you know, but they can't all be correct, because some of their belief systems are contradictory to each other. So even though they would go, yeah, we believe in some divine creator, which one of these would be correct? So I want to say to you, maybe you come from a, maybe a, a more generic background. Maybe you weren't raised in church. You don't have a, maybe a whole lot of, you know, kind of spiritual formation. I want to say to you, I think these are great questions for you to wrestle with and think through and I just want to give you some things because I could never push faith on you. I can encourage faith, all right, but I can't push faith upon you because some of you are kind of on an intellectual journey where you're trying to think through this, and I respect that. And I just want to give you some some thoughts today. A lot of people, especially young people, they've just got their heads down and life is all about money and relationships and the pursuit of self and climbing the corporate ladder. But there are some of you that are going, you know, there's some bigger questions out here about God, faith. There's a lot of things going on that I have, you know, that I have a, a question about. So if that is you and you're curious about these things, I just want to Go, hey man, I'm, I'm I'm proud of you, and 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 but but sometimes this thinking comes because maybe we look on the news and we see a, a we see chaos out there, and we're like, what are the big answers? Or sometimes we're answering asking these questions because there's just something incomplete in my heart. Maybe my bank account's full, and my you know I've I've walked on in my life you know vocationally, but yet there's there's just some some things in my you know some things in my heart. So I just want to say you know if that's you and you're kind of journeying through the big picture questions about God and faith, I just want to say, I'm proud of you, okay? I just, just keep going. I think it's a worthy, you know, worthy pursuit for your life. So when it comes to questions of worldview, kind of big picture, what's right and wrong? Which ones are right? Which ones are wrong? Theism, atheism, you know, or when you look at all the religions, kind of which ones are right? There are four questions that I think can help help you and your answer maybe can kind of help you point toward, you know, an answer here. So, and these questions aren't, aren't original with me, okay? There are questions about origin. Where did we come from? Where did we come from? Meaning, why am I here? What is my purpose? Morality, what is right and wrong? And destiny, what happens when I die? Those are really good worldview questions for you to kind of kind of think through. Now, I'm going to kind of work through those questions uh, for for a moment, and I'm going to I don't have time to do every religion, okay? But you can ask those questions. You can ask those questions, and then you know insert the different religious answers for the di diff different religions. I am going to cross-reference Christianity and atheism as I walk through these four, because that's kind of the biggest thing, atheism, secularism, humanism. So I'm going to answer those four questions, and I'm going to go back and forth between the answers of Christianity or faith and atheism, okay? So origin, where do we come from? Where do we come from, all right? Christianity believes a divine creator, 
with an ordered plan for the universe and humanity, okay? Atheism, that it is a random kind of chaotic creation. We kind of came out of nowhere, nothing just appeared at the material universe without God. It had a sense of randomness to it, nothing supernatural, okay? So, you know, so those are kind of the beliefs when it, you know, when it comes to origin, because at the end, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you some questions that, you know, at the end of this, meaning, why am I here? What is my purpose? The Christian belief, we're created in God's image with an individual plan, purpose, and destiny for each person. Atheism, a random existence with no defined meaning or ultimate life purpose. John Cohn, evolutionary biologist, frames it this way, the atheistic response to meaning this way. People, don't, people like me don't worry about what it's all about in a cosmic sense because we know it isn't about anything. So here's a per- he, he, has, he has realized kind of his belief in life that there's, you know, and he's okay with that, that there's no kind of defined purpose for his life. So, you know, our, our belief is that, you know, God has a plan and a purpose and a destiny. So you, you see, the, you see the, uh, the comparison between the two. Morality. What's right and wrong? What's right and wrong? To the Christi- Christian, those that believe in faith, truth is eternal and is established from God's word, or excuse me, God's character and his word. There's a set objective truth. Atheism, no necessary objective truth, but morality is subjective, individual, and situational. Okay, so, you know, they they would believe that there's no absolute truth, no real right from wrong, no black or white truth is kind of revealed in whatever, you know, whatever you want. Decisions are, are situational. That would kind of be the opposite of our belief. And I hear people. I hear people go, hey, I think everyone should believe in practice anything they want to believe in practice, okay? All right, so I would say, but if your next-door neighbor believed in cannibalism, would you still stand for that? Oh, we might need some boundaries there, right? All right. Richard Dawkins, when it comes to what's right and wrong, the universe we observe has precisely the properties we expect, no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. Okay? We believe God lays out boundaries and guardrails, red lights and green lights. They are for not to rob us, but they are for our, our protection. All right? Destiny. Where am I going? What happens when I die? So we believe that we're spiritual beings living for eternity in heaven with our Lord, those that accept his invitation of grace. Atheism, we are physical beings, and at death, all known existence ends. That we're kind of like animals in the fact that we are one-dimensional, that when we die, we die, except we wear better clothes and we eat better food, but ultimately, when it's, when it's over, you know, when it's, when it's over, Okay. So those are some great questions kind of framing your kind of framing your worldview. Now, let me just take a moment. I came to the Lord from a Christian family. I was raised in church, okay? 
So I, it was, you know, like I, I, I wasn't forced to do this. I was, I had to go to church, but I came to Christ on my own, my own decisions. You know, I, I, so I found, you know, faith and connection with God. I felt clean, but the older that I got, it raised some bigger questions. Some of these things that, you know, like when, especially when I went to college, you know, I didn't, I didn't always go to Bible college. My first formation was in a secular university, so a lot of these things were pushed back on me to come up with answers. My first sociology class, my like the very first week, they're going, there is no objective truth. Everything is situational and relative to the place that you find yourself in, and it blew me away, and it started me kind of on a bigger journey to ask some of these questions, okay? So I started very personal in faith, but then these questions that are out there for everyone that we have to answer, you know, I started kind of journeying through these questions. Now, I wanted to say, can I, and I can only speak for myself, that when I look at the two, the answers of the two when it comes to worldview, I found the Christian faith to be more comprehensive and cohesive to the answers of origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. Okay, so now that's the way I approached it personally and then started embracing those questions. Your, how you approach this may be a little different. You may want to start with the broad questions about origin, meaning, morality, and purpose. And if you do, I really think that's going to lead you personally. I think that's going to lead you, you know, to the Christian faith and hopefully, and hopefully to the cross. Okay, but I want to say... Ask those questions and research those questions. Now, if you're kind of on a spiritual journey and you're not sure which one is right, again, I would never force anything you, on you because I can't force a faith on you. But I, but I can hopefully kind of point you to some answers that will help some of the light bulbs one way or the other click in your mind. So if you're kind of on a spiritual journey, you're not sure which one of these are right or wrong. There's a few things that I'm going to I'm going to ask you to do if you're sincere in trying to sort out is there a God or not? Man, look at all these religions, Hinduism and Islam and, you know, Eastern religion and Christianity and Judaism and, you know, all the other things like which one, which one, you know, is is the one that's true. So I want to ask you Number one, to pray, to pray, all right? I want you to ask God whatever you think God is. I just want you to go, God, if you're out there, would you just show yourself to me? Would you reveal yourself to me? I think that's a great, a great place to start. If you're out there somewhere, Lord, I want to know the truth. I want to know what you want me to know about my existence here, and I'm asking you to reveal that to me. Now, let me say, it may not come in the next 10 seconds, okay? I know, I know. Just be patient because you may see God unfold some things to you that are going to answer some questions to you. So pray. I'm going to ask you, too, to read the Gospel of John, okay? If you are, like, open to considering maybe Christianity is correct, then I just say educate yourself about the Christian belief. And I think the Gospel of John, you know, it's about 21 chapters, but it tells the story of Jesus about his mission and purpose, okay? I don't say go to Genesis and read it, you know, I, I wouldn't recommend that. I go, go to the Gospel of John and just read, 
Just read the Gospel of John, and if you're open, then, then you know, there may be some answers there in the Gospel of John that kind of help you dot the I's and cross the T's when it comes to the Christian faith. I also say ask. Let others share with you their spiritual experiences in the Christian faith or with others as well. We don't have anything to hide. I'm not asking you to be exclusive only kind of in your search, but I do think there are some stories of people that may sit in this church or maybe that are in your life that have had these occurrences and experiences with the Lord that I think is important as you're kind of journeying through this. And then um, uh, explore, be open to where God may lead you during this time, okay? Be open. Be open to it. You, you just may be surprised what, what happens. So when you pray, Lord, if you'll reveal truth, I'll follow. I'll follow. Now, I want to close this question with this. It's a 16th century philosopher. His name is Blase Pascal. And he, he did kind of a, a, a philosophical framework that I want to give you today. It's called Pascal's Wager, okay? And I'm going I'm to break it down in three points. So, Pascal said, hey, either God exists or he doesn't. Either God exists or he doesn't, okay? One way or the other. So, Let's, he said, I'm going to give you three options as you're thinking about faith here. So here's option one from Pascal. If we wager that God exists and we're right, we win everything. If you go, hey, I believe in God and you're right, hey, you're good, okay? If we wager that God exists and we're wrong, we lose nothing, okay? If we're going to believe in God and then all of a sudden it doesn't happen, what, what have you lost on this earth, okay? But the third part, he said, if you wager that God does not exist and you're wrong, you suffer eternally, okay? So he, he said, you know, you gotta, you gotta find your framework there, okay? So I want you to know, if you're kind of on a journey, I'll be here as a resource, pray. I promise I don't force anything. I can't force faith on you. I can't force belief on you. That comes intellectually and spiritually from your heart as God has spoken to you or some of the light bulbs have gone on from the questions that you have had in your mind. But I'd love to be a part of that conversation. I promise I will respect your, your kind of dignity and your time to process that. I promise if you come down after church and go, you know, hey, uh, I, I got a question, I'm not going to force something on you in 10 minutes, okay? We'll just start a, start a journey there, okay? All right, question number three. This will be kind of quick, all right? Are people that have never heard the gospel destined to hell? What will happen to them in eternity? People that have never heard the gospel, are they destined to hell? What will happen to them in eternity? <clears throat> Anybody want to swap places with me right now? Any of you ever thought, boy, it'd be fun to be a preacher? Come on up here, big shot. Here's your chance. <laughs> All right. So sometimes this question, I don't know who wrote it, but sometimes this question in other, in other contexts are written as a criticism of the church or, or against the character of God, that he's cold and heartless. So to answer this question, okay, and, and I'm not going to be able to answer it fully, okay, to my knowledge... There's only one passage of all Scripture that even mentions the potential of those that have never heard the gospel, okay? So the passage in Romans 2, and I'm going to put it on the screen. 
the passage that I'm going to read to you in Romans 2 is not necessarily and specifically written to answer this question. It's talking about whether Jews and Christians could experience the same faith. But Paul kind of has a side thought on this that he expresses in two verses. Okay, So I'm going to read you Romans 12, 13 through 16. Okay, So here's what he says. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is obey or those that obey the law who will be declared righteous. So he's going, hey, it's not just about hearing. It's about obedience. Okay, then he says, indeed, when Gentiles do not, who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves even though they don't have or they've never heard the law. They are shown the requirements of the law that they, they are shown that the requirements of the law are written on their heart, their consciences, bearing witness and their thoughts, sometimes accusing them, you shouldn't do that, or sometimes defending them, you're doing good. This will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares. Now, I told you, I told you, this is the only place that I know of that this is even even dealt with. So there's not enough scriptural weight or information like to make a solid doctrine out of this. Okay? So it's just some thinking here. So that's why you don't necessarily in tenets of faith of evangelical churches, you don't read this as a as a solid doctrine. It's just mentioned once as thinking. So let's just look at this passage. What can we grab from this, just kind of as our understanding. So this passage indicates that there are certain virtues or beliefs that are written on the hearts and the conscience of human beings by God. Okay, now he said that multiple times, that his, his law is put on the hearts of people regardless of where, you know, where, where they're born, okay? And it also, this passage indicates that people who have never heard the law or the gospel will be judged based on their obedience to their conscience. Okay? All right? So this passage, these two verses, go, there may be possibility that people will be judged on the basis of a law that they've never heard with their ears, but that God has planted on their heart. Now, that is an incomplete answer as I could ever give you. I know that that raises more questions than it answers. I understand that, but that's all that's there. That's all that's there. Now, let me just say, let me say this. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to weigh in beyond that. The question was, what about those that have never heard? I'm just telling you that's all that we kind of know. I do know this. God is holy, God is just, and God is fair. Okay? I just know that. Now, I don't know what that means at eternity. That's between the Lord and all of that. But the question said, you know, are, are, like, are people destined? Well, I want to say, no way. No way. Jesus came to rescue all of humanity. Okay? He came, he came to rescue us and to save us. The passage has been in my heart, you know, in the last few months has been he came to seek and to save 
that which is lost. He's coming to look for those that are broken, look for those that are ignored, look for those that are hurting, look for those that are God forgotten. He's come to seek and he's come to save. His message is a message of redemption. I'm going to let God kind of take care of the, the other stuff in that question. But for you and I that have heard the gospel, we have to very clearly that you and I have to give an account for what we've heard. We've had exposure to the gospel. We've had preaching of the gospel. And I just, I just want to say, now to you and I, there's accountability. To you and I, there's accountability. I read it just a couple of weeks ago. The book of Revelation, the books were open. Those that accepted Christ from the Lamb's book of life, those that were not, were, were lost for eternity. Okay, so I'm going to let God kind of handle the other stuff that I don't understand, okay? But for you and I, that's not you and I. Amen? That's not you and I. That question's about someone else, other cultures, other, other countries. That's not, that's not you and I. We've heard, and we need to make sure that our hearts, we've accepted Christ and our hearts are, are right with God. So I, that's how I did not answer that question, okay? So uh, I just, I, I told you there's just some things that, that that's all that we know, and it may raise some greater questions, and I'll be glad to talk to you about that, but that's just kind of all we know. All right, last, last question, last question. How far is too far when someone walks away from God? When is it that they become lost? How far is too far when someone walks away from God? When is it they become lost? Now, let, let me say, you know, we, we come from a faith tradition Okay, our belief is that everyone has the right to serve God or not. It's by choice. Okay, you can serve God if you want to. You, can, you don't have to serve God. It is, a, it is a choice and it is an option. Now, we have, you know, friends and, and people that we are close to in our evangelical circles that believe a little bit differently on that. They, they, they would kind of, you know, brand it unconditional eternal security. Okay, regardless of what happens, you're eternally secure. R.W. Sproul, uh, a Reformed theologian, here's, he writes about what it means is that a person has become quickened by the Holy Spirit, born of the Spirit, justified through faith, therefore placed in a state of salvation. That person will, in fact, never lose his salvation. This is a contra controversial point, he says, within the context of historic Christianity. So there's the belief you know, kind of once you're saved, then you're always saved. That's kind of a, you know, a term that we use. Ours would be a little different. We believe that it's conditional, that a person who is known and lived for Christ could walk away from and in the relationship with Jesus, that we have free will. He gives us free will to choose and not to choose, okay? So there are all kinds of scriptures that we could use to kind of talk about this. I'm only going to give you one, and I realize it's more exhaustive, but I don't have time. It's already 1130, and some of you are already hungry, okay? I know what time it is. You don't have to text me. I know. I know. I'm just kidding. Second Peter brings some clarity to this, okay? Second Peter 2 and 20. If they've escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are entangled in, in it and are overcome... They are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them to have not known the way of righteousness than to have known it and turn their backs on the sacred commandment that was passed on to them. 
One of them, the Proverbs are true. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow is washed, returns to her wallowing in the mud. Okay? So it gives maybe a little clarity, even though it's much more complicated theologically. So, uh, Brent, worship team, you can come. Now, listen, if there's ever a doctrine of belief that I hope that I'm wrong on, it's this. Okay? I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that my understanding of Scripture is wrong. I hope the Lord calls me up in heaven and goes, hey, you know what? You did a pretty good job, but that thing about conditional security, you're wrong on that. All right? I hope that I would be wrong. I don't think that I, I, don't think that I am. Okay? I think through the Scriptures, I think you see that we, are, that we can make choices. Okay? You can serve God or you don't have to serve God. We believe that even after you've had a wonderful experience with the Lord, that you can walk away from that faith, you can turn your back on the Lord. And we probably, every person probably knows personal examples of those that have come and had this powerful experience with the Lord and then, you know, kind of walked, walked away. So the question was, when is it that they become lost? Okay. I don't know. Okay. I know what you're thinking. Why are you do, doing this series? You don't know anything. You don't know anything. The moment of when we think somebody is considered lost or backslidden, I don't know. That's between the Lord and someone else. Every, I'm going to just tell you this. God is graceful and God is gracious. We do not believe one and done. One sin and you're out. We don't believe that. We believe God is gracious, God is merciful, God works with us, He is patient with us, He convicts us, He speaks to us. So I've heard people go, well, you just think if you sin, no, that's not our belief. We believe there are times that God deals with people as they're kind of walking away from Him. So when does it become lost, that they become lost? I don't know the answer to that, but I want to give you some scenarios here that we could go, hey, someone's in spiritual danger, okay? Someone's in spiritual danger. So I don't know the ultimate, that'd be between them and the Lord, but I want to tell you some things that I see, you know, that that someone would maybe just kind of be in some spiritual danger there. So what about um, when they seem more carnally minded than spiritually minded? Romans says the carnal mind is death, the spiritual mind is life in Christ Jesus. So once you're once you're thinking, your mind is totally, you know, your thoughts aren't, are rarely on the Lord or God or your faith. It is about life and it is about pleasure and it's about fun. Those kind of things, when you look and you go, you know, man, I, you, you, like, like your heart and your passions, you're never, you're never thinking about the Lord. When you seem more carnally minded, the things that you think that bring you pleasure or more of carnal fleshly mind than then spiritual things, I go, that's a trouble area that you need to think about. How about this? When they practice sin with no remorse or acknowledgement of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. When you're, you're living your life, you're doing your thing, things that you know that aren't pleasing the Lord, and you feel no guilt anymore. You just moved on. That that uncomfortable kind of, you know, feeling in your heart when the Holy Spirit would kind of, you, you don't sense that anymore, okay? 
You're just kind of living your life and sinful things happen and there's, there's no remorse or guilt. I think that's a troubled area, okay? When they're drifting further from faith, resulting in little or no desire for worship, prayer, or church attendance. It's not even in your thoughts, heart. Going to church, pray, worship, godly things. You can tell it. It's not just mental, but it's now your life choices. And they're nowhere close to reflecting to the Lord. So I say, those are some troubled areas that I would hope that you would go, hey, all right. That's not good. That's not good. I'm walking down a pathway that is that is not drawing me closer to God and knowing Christ in a better way. You're kind of walking me on the other way. So that's my quiet, that's that's kind of how I answer. I don't know specifically when it happens. We do believe that there is a time that you can just turn your back and walk away from God and be lost. I don't know when that is. I know God is merciful and wor- thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his mercy. You know, he, he said, he said, you know, confess your sins and he'll be faithful and just to forgive you of sins. He didn't write that to the sinner. He wrote that to the church because he knew that there were times in our life that we would have issues in our life. And he said, look, you know, acknowledge these things. Come back to me. Confess your sins, You'll be, and I'll be faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from unrighteousness. So that's written to believers. So he knows that no one gets saved and walks perfectly, okay? We're just going to have these up and down times, okay? But I just say to you, if you find yourself drifting, maybe you look and go, hey, five years ago, you look now at where you were five years ago, and you go, hey, I'm not the same person, I'm walking, I'm straying. Can I just tell you? Let this let this kind of get your attention this morning, all right? Hey, I don't, I don't want you to know the ways of the world. I want you to know the fullness of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to walk pleasing, holy, and righteous to God. And I want to tell you, there's a day in heaven, there's a day in heaven that you'll be thankful that you did. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us this morning? I'm going to do a time of prayer in just a moment. Went a little long this morning. I apologize. Worship team, let's just do a moment of worship and then I'm just going to, I'm going to call us to prayer in just a second. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All these saints and angels they bow before your throne They're all these cast their crowns before the Lamb of God and sing you're worthy of it all you're worthy of it all for from you You are a thief. Oh, from you are a thief.
Thank you, Lord. Every head bowed in the congregation, would you just give me just a moment? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're here today, and maybe there's some things that have kind of clicked in your heart, maybe, maybe you're looking at your own walk with God and you realize maybe I'm a little more carnally minded than I used to. Maybe I'm, you know, I, I, I got sin going on in my life. I don't even see it or sense it or realize it anymore. Or, man, I'm just kind of drifting. My heart is not about worship anymore, church attendance, or the things of God. I'm just, I'm just kind of away. I'm just kind of drifting. I'm getting a little more cold in my faith. Pastor, would you pray for me this morning? Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you across the building, go, hey, would you just pray for me this morning? Would you raise your hand? Say, Pastor, I'm just kind of drifting. I'm in a kind of a cold state this morning. I'm just kind of away from the Lord. Hey, thanks. I appreciate that. I'm just kind of, I'm, a, I'm not where I should be with you this morning. And if you're here today as well, I mean, you got struggles about doubts and faith. I want you to know Jesus is looking for you. He's not angry with you. He's looking for you. Listen, if your life is in a mess, he's looking for you. If you're running from God, Jesus is looking for you. If you've been hiding, Jesus is looking for you. If you've been hurt, Jesus is looking for you. If you are searching for something and not quite certain what it is, Jesus is looking for you. He's looking for you this morning. He's looking for you this morning. We're going to sing that again. I want to open this altar. If you want to just come for a time of prayer, hey, there will be people that will come down. They will pray with you. They will encourage you, maybe answer questions that you have. But don't leave like you came today. If God's speaking to you, man, this can be a, a moment that some of the light bulbs start turning on in your life or that God does something in your, in your heart. You can walk out of here different through the power of Jesus Christ. So if you're here today, they're going to put this up on the screen. If you'll do three things this morning, then God will do three things for you. If you're here away from God, maybe you've never accepted the Lord, I want to show you the pathway to, to accepting Christ as your Savior. If you'll do three things, if you'll admit that you need God in your life, if you'll believe in the person of Jesus and what He's done for you on the cross, if you'll confess your sins, say, Lord, I'm sinner I messed up if you'll do three things God will do three things okay he'll give you forgiveness of sin whatever you've done it doesn't matter anymore you're clean and whole in the eyes of God he'll give you a new life he said old things are passed away behold all things will, will come new we're gonna start over with you and then you're gonna have eternal life issues of destiny are settled all right if you'll do three things God will do three things, and they're going to put a prayer up on the screen. And I want you to kind of pray this prayer. If you're ready for this moment, if you're ready for this moment, pray this with me. It says, Father, I know that I've broken your laws, and my sins have separated me from you. I'm truly sorry, and I want to turn from my sinful past toward you. Please forgive me. I believe that your son Jesus died for my sins and was resurrected from the dead, is alive, and hears my prayer. 
I invite Jesus to become the Lord of my life, to rule and reign in my heart from this day forward. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. If you prayed that, listen. If you prayed that with sincerity this morning, I'm just telling you, Jesus heard your prayer this morning. Jesus heard your prayer this morning, and whatever you came in, you're going to walk out different, okay? Now, if you prayed that prayer, man, I would love for you to come see myself, Brad, Kelsey. We, we would love to just start a conversation with you. Got some material we'd love to give you about walking out your new faith. If you're here today and you're going, hey, I'm still thinking about some things, not quite ready to make that move, I respect that. And I'm praying for you and I'm proud that you're at church and you're thinking about some big questions, God questions. I would love if you just come say hello. Hey, I'm on the journey. Okay. I would love to just shake your hand and go, hey, I'm praying for you. I just want you to know that. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a shout of praise this morning. Lord, we love you today. We love you today. I love his grace and I love his forgiveness. Amen. Amen. Well. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.